It's the Saturday Friends Club. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome back to the Saturday Friends Club. It's a great time to be listening to podcasts. It's a great time to be having friends over. It's a great time to be doing whatever you're doing. Are you doing the laundry? That's fantastic. You're doing a great job. Are you driving? You know what? Keep it up, buddy. You stay clean. You stay in your lane. Signal. I, I have belief that our listeners, who are the best listeners in all of podcasts, are and doing sexiest and sexiest, doing a great job. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, you're, you're so sexy. You're killing it. You're killing it. Tell, I want you to take a moment, look at yourself as as a fellow member of the Saturday Friends Club. You're killing it. You're but doing if it. you are driving, please keep eyes on the road. If you're killing somebody, and, please stop doing that. Stop that kind of killing it. Ten and two. But you know, uh, and Sabrina's pulling out a knife. Oh so gosh, she's got a knife. It's uh, you, 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 you ruined the effect. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Saturday Friends Club. <laughs> Knives are no, nah, it's it's a, it's a, it's a comb. It's one of those cool things that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a comb, but it looks like a switchblade. Nice. Just to scare people. Yeah. Don't so, fuck with me, bro. Kobe. Sorry, was that an F bomb? That was an F bomb. You you oh, survived Kobe. a whole like forty five seconds <laughs> into our show before cursing. Oh. It's part of my natural speech, okay? I don't even hey. think about it as being a bad word. Hmm. Anyway, I'm Josh. Uh, the swear monster in the crowd is Sabrina. S- a Sabrina fuckbird. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, sweetie. Uh, we also have Eric here. Thank you very much. And Martin is here. I don't. Why are, are you, you a, Slytherin? Are you serpent? Are you, are you speaking parcel tongue now? Are you Voldemort? Are you he who should not be named? Uh, is this, this is the worst game of who's who ever. <laughs> Harry Potter! Harry Potter! <laughs> Harry Potter! Harry Potter! Does he have a mark Snape, over his eye? Snape, yes. Severus oh, God, Snape. 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 Severus Snape. Dumbledore. <laughs> That was like my first YouTube series. And that curse I ever number watched. two. I'm gonna start keeping count of the number Wait, of times Sabrina what? swears. We, when did I curse? Like, you, you said fucking. I yes. <laughs> I'm, we, gonna, I'm going to. I don't just, even know. Like I said, I don't even know when I do it. I know. Which can is we, can we ADR in like a ding? This is like. I mean, I could, but that requires editing at this point. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh. I mean, Ooh. though, if I ever do end up putting this on the radio, I will obviously have to do that. But you know. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the Saturday Friends Club, your collection of nostalgia and stuff you used to enjoy. Um, we hope you're having a great day today, tuning into your podcast, and I just hope you're, you're doing well. The uh, crew, this is a third show. We're wrapping up the, uh, the, the last of a third set. Uh, we are all dinnered up. Some of us are nogged, some of us are coffeeed, and some of us just drank straight whiskey. So, gray skies are gonna clear up, put on a happy face. All right, sweet. Awesome. Got, got any more of that? that... Why doesn't she sing, sing the theme song? What theme song? You know, we'll just, make one. You know, dun, dun, oh, dun. Saturday Friends Club. We are the club. We are the Friends Club. We gather on Saturdays. Saturdays. Just follow the bouncing ball. 
You know, I do have this isolated now, so I could easily just rip that directly out and give that to and make an actual remix. Please don't. Oh boy. Mm. Auto tune mm. that. I feel. I feel like. I feel like we uh, should. If you want me to do that, we should make like an actual theme song, not something I just pulled out of my ass. I mean, I mean, I do. Ha we do have a theme song. It plays before the episode. You oh, know. Wait, that's true. Yeah. But is that really a theme song? I mean, theme sting. Kind yeah, of. it's kind of like an intro. It's like, yeah, it's more like an intro song. Yeah, I mean, but it's, it's important let's, to have let's, something. Let's put it to committee when we get the chance. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, you you can be part of our Patreon over at patreoncom club and and weigh in on if you want Sabrina's. We can do skibbity. We can do scat. Skibbity doop da beat up boop boom. But ding ding. Except, except I'm like... not very good at scat, so I apologize. Skibbity da ba boop ba ba dee Certainly hasn't stopped you. Because it's fun, even though I don't know what I'm doing. So and we can then isolate that and add that into what she's already recorded. Or maybe we can do opera. Mm -hmm. oh, Except. <laughs> I think that's copyrighted. <laughs> I have a pretty good feeling that's copyrighted. The Saturday Friends Club. <laughs> Don't quit your day, day. Oh boy! <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't. I will admit, opera is totally out of the question. You two are just simply song and dance people. Oh yeah. And you know who else was a song and dance person? Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Absolutely. <laughs> Jim, AKA Jim Andy Carey. Kaufman. Well, Jim Carrey slash Andy Kaufman. Uh, all right. So uh, as stated in our last episode. Um, I am I am breaking the rules a little bit and doing double duty. The reason I'm doing that is because I noticed that Netflix is putting out a documentary called Jim and Andy the Great Beyond, featuring a very special contractually obligated mention of Tony Clifton. Um, it is a Netflix original which goes which details Jim Carrey. Thank you. I, I don't need your your backtrack. Thank you. Follows Jim Carrey as he plays Andy Kaufman in the movie that we're about to, to uh, cover. Um, hmm. And just kind of shows that he was getting into the role of Andy Kaufman a little bit more than he was method acting. He's very like hard. Daniel Day-Lewis level. And when you are method acting as somebody as nuts as Andy Kaufman, it kind of affects everything. So he mm -hmm. kind of lost himself for a year. <laughs> Okay. So, and as we all know, if you have paid any attention to Jim Carrey, he has a—he's uh, kind of a person. He's—he's—he's—he's uh, uh, he's, he's, he's changed a little bit over the years. I got some real things to say about Jim Carrey. Okay, we're I, not here to discuss Jim Carrey. We're here well, to discuss the well, we, movie. Well, we will. Well, we're going to discuss Jim Carrey, but we also need to discuss about Andy Kaufman himself a little bit as well, because. Yes. Because this is, as Wikipedia states, a biographic biographical comedy drama, we kind of have to dissect the, the person from the movie because it's it's different. One of them has to tell a story. The other one is the life of... Excuse me. Sorry. Is this... You are just between the episodes, my love. <laughs> what What's going on here? I'm sorry. I had to burp. I saw we. All right. But um, she's, sorry. Okay. She, she's very sorry. Um, you know we have to kind of kind of play between the two. So before we get into like the big meat of the the matter, we usually have our one question that we open up with. But sure. I kind of have two. First, 
Had anyone seen this movie before I put this to you? Nope. Nope. Yes. Yes. Okay, so you had seen it. It's been a while. I don't. Re- I didn't remember a whole lot of it, and so I watched it like fairly fresh. Okay, and w- like this wasn't a this wasn't a success at all. So I'm actually surprised that you actually had watched it because it had a budget of 52 million and its box office was 47, considered yeah, a bomb. Not so good. Um, but like, what was your? I, I'm surprised. What was your like going into it? Did you know much about Andy and everything? I knew. I knew no, like basically nothing about him. Um, and like when I first watched it, it was just like i think um i think when i first watched it, it was like my parents were watching it and so i i i watched some of it over over the shoulder kind of thing um i i and i have no i had no previous knowledge of andy kaufman um and i didn't understand his significance i disavow him. any knowledge of andy it kaufman just, it's like a guy who died uh when like well like what year did what year did he pass away uh, he passed away in 1984 yeah okay so 45 i was i was not even a thought um, in my parents' mind. I was only two years of a thought. Yeah. Well, you were an afterthought. Yes, I was two years hey. of an afterthought. Um, so, yeah, I, this is somebody who's not, not my generation, not my thing, and it was, he, it was also not a character that I think people I knew would have been interested in. Right. So. I mean, he is, a, he is a bizarre, divisive person. Polarizing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I um, believe he invented shitposting, but in real, but <laughs> IRL, real. as we yeah, say in the I, business. IRL shitposting. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, and then for the other two of you, had any of you even heard of Andy Kaufman? Nope. No, but then you mentioned he was in Taxi, and I had, I have seen episodes of Taxi before. Okay. But I, if you, if you would have said Andy Kaufman was in, I was like, I don't. You couldn't tell me which person he was. I don't even. Rem- I didn't really remember anybody except that I knew that Denny DeVito was in it, and I knew Christopher Lloyd was in it. Those were like, oh, and Tony Danza. So those were the only people I really remembered being in it. All right, all right. So uh, let's get into it, um, man. I, I, oh. I, th- I was just. Saying, I think he's just someone. Like I think our generation just missed him. Yeah, he is. He is a bizarre blip. In the comedy space, right. you know, it's before, wow. it's before the super big heyday of stand up that happened in like the nineties. Right, like that—that that was just the heyday. Stand up went nuts. Um, the, he was during the first run of Saturday Night Live. He did many things that were, you know, weird and polarizing, like the playing of Carnegie Hall, his wrestling of women, his, you know, the. Um, God, I mean, they just go the the Tony Clifton, the way he just screwed with Taxi, the you know it it he, goes on and on. Yeah, and he, since he died so early, that's probably the main reason we didn't really know about him growing up. And but I also think it cemented like a legacy, whereas some people that you know, it's it's kind of the Kurt Cobain effect of if you are somebody that ha- that is talented and also like has contributed, and then suddenly that is cut off, like. There's none of that period where you just go, oh, okay, well, they're, you know, they're, no they're cool, washed up. There's no cool down period. Yeah, there, yeah. there's no kind of like washed up, like, oh, well, we don't have to remember about them uh, because the second half is never as good. Like, it, it just, you know, he died early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I was going to say, this movie was a bummer mm-hmm. overall. Also, I, I want to go through it. I, I think it's, a, it's an interesting, of course, I should also state that on top of this, uh, as a, as a explanation, and Martin actually brought this up when we were talking about it uh, uh, a little bit earlier. 
Um, this movie does have some uh, some big meaning with me that I'm I know and I'm going to completely divorce from my like my feeling of the movie. But um, I had a friend that on my birthday, December thirty first, nineteen ninety nine, passed away. Uh, he was in a an, an incident where he fell off the uh, a car, smacked the back of his head. He was comatose for a day, and then they pulled him off life support on December thirty first. Um, the song Great Beyond that is used in the movie um, is uh, was pretty much the song that I played on repeat while I was dealing with that. Um, and so that in conjunction with the movie is kind of was kind of my my it's one of my triggers of like, you know, it takes me back to that moment and it kind of it, it has symbolism more or less. Right. Um, I can then I, even though that. It's one of the reasons why I like the movie, but I can also divorce myself from it to be to look at the movie itself. But I just wanted to put that out there just because just to explain that the movie itself I think wouldn't have as much significance for me if it hadn't have been attached to that. I probably would have thought it interesting and let it go. But as Martin said, somebody on one of the YouTube videos, if you wanted to say. Yeah, yeah. So there's actually a YouTube video that's um that you can look up that actually uh, contrast scenes from the movie Man on the Moon with you know the actual television appearances of Andy Kaufman. I think one of the uh, top comments on that actually speaks to a person um, speaks to a person's experience where they had a best friend who was a huge fan of Andy Kaufman and them growing up together they used to uh, to watch him and then when he passed away um, the, the 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 best friend of the comment uh, of the commenter um, it was that kind of experience and meaning too that whenever. He heard of the uh, the ending song. Uh, what, what was it called? The Great Beyond. Yeah, the Great Beyond that kind of triggered the memory of him. But it's always a way for him to kind of also honor his memory. Yeah, all all I have to do is hear that sting at the very beginning, and it's like, oh no, like it's it's it's, it's 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 memories just washing right back on top of me. Yeah, um, yeah I'm I'm a big REM, <laughs> like I'm a big REM fan. So that's like, even though I really like that song, like I try not to listen to it around him because I know it does trigger that memory. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not even a bad memory. It's just like it's just it's a lot of I mean, it's, it's a it's yeah. sudden it's sudden weight. Like yeah. there's probably like three songs in it that will do that to me because whenever I'm dealing with something very heavy, it, I tend to fall back on like a song that just kind of like gets myself through it. Um, so that said, and that covered and sorry to be the downer to everybody that's listening. Uh, this is the man on the moon of 1999 American biographical comedy film about Andy Kaufman. And we are going to get into it now. Man on the Moon stars Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman. The film was directed by Milo Foreman, if I'm saying that right, and also features Danny DeVito, Courtney Love, and Paul Giamatti. I love Paul Giamatti. Yeah, Giamatti. Giamatti, yeah. Giamatti. He's interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I first... Like most people, first encountered him on Sideways for some reason. I, I'm I'm biased towards him because of, of the pilot that was never picked up for Amazing Screw on Head. What? What? Huh? If you're if you've never heard of this, I've never oh, heard we're of doing this. this, this. We're, <laughs> hey, cue for a future episode. Uh, he was 
he played the main character in a pilot for a um, for a Mike Mignola comic book like adaptation that was never picked up, in which he played the main character and the bad guy was going to be David Hyde Pierce, huh. as in Niles. It was a it was a weird like dark comedy steampunk horror. It's awesome. Oh, that sounds so good. But it's, no- it's Paul Giamatti just hamming it up and playing off of like the incredibly effete and like very dryly witty uh, bad guy played by David Hyde Pierce. Yeah, I I I love Paul Giamatti. He's probably he's probably up there with like with some of the uh, some of my other favorites like. Um, all the ones I can't remember at this very moment because of whiskey. He's an, he's just an actor that's like he's been in a lot, but like I I, I kind of think of him. I, I think of he's the newer uh, for me David Warner, who's like he's a really good actor, but he just does a lot of like chaff that kind of like is hard to remember. Like what did he do? Oh right, that okay. He, just every chaff you've ever like watched. David David Warner does good. Is a great actor. Does great work, but he has done some truly awful movies. So, uh, as anyway. stated um, with this, we're, let me touch on Andy Kaufman himself for a moment. So, Andy Kaufman is, was an uh, American comedian, actor, writer, performance artist, and professional wrestler who lived from January 17, 1949 to May 16, 1984. Uh, he was often referred as a comedian, but is rather liked to be called a song and dance man. He's a performance artist, basically. Yeah. Right. He disdained telling jokes and engaged in com- and didn't engage in comedy as it's traditionally understood. Once saying in a rare introspective interview, I am not a comic. I've never told a joke. A comedian's promise is to go out there and make you laugh. My only promise is I'm going to try and entertain you the best I can. Uh, he, you know, I, I think that after le- reading a lot of his biography and reading a lot of the movie, it definitely takes the highlights of his life. Right. Um, it gives a really good ex- uh, a detailing. Um, the things are obviously out of order um, because the the climax of the film happens earlier in his career. Right. The the entire like I want to do this. Well, that happened in the film like between Taxi. Like he got that he got up op- that opportunity way early. But it makes sense as a climax. Well, they even the, Jim they, they do an intro of when which him him and character doing like a bit, and he explains like all these events are out of order for dramatic purposes. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the other thing is is that the Andy Kaufman actually did bring about a bunch of stuff that you probably don't even realize were never things before he started doing it. Elvis impersonators. Though there might have been people that did it before him, he was considered the forefront of that. The reason there are Elvis impersonators in Vegas and ones in, you know, in Graceland and everything like that is he set the template and people went, oh, crap, we could do that. Right. We could be performers for like this and people really love it. Uh, wrestling was considered by far most to be just this kind of podunk country thing. Look at them, just gravel with each other and look at these little yokels. He brought it up to be like a, a thing that people were paying attention to, which led to the 1980s or unfortunate Hulk Hogan's your, you know, a macho man, Randy Savages, you know, yeah, it, it brought about a lot of these, um, these changes that were just by some guy who was just being weird and doing the stuff that he wanted to. Um, 
So it's kind of weird just because he he has put that mark on the fact that Elvis impersonators, you go to Vegas and you can get married by one. Um, and one of the, those treasured American institutions. And the fact that you have, you know, professional wrestling, not only like the giant WWE that exists, um, but also the fact that, you know, you have all these other federations all across the world that, you know, in some way owe a little bit to that. Right. So that's all I want to say. Well, that's uh, mean that like his life was basically professional wrestling. It, it, the whole kayfabe thing. Yeah. And he, he, he said that he loved the idea of kayfabe. Right. He loved the idea that there was this big secret that you were holding, that all of this was a big sport, right. but you know, he enjoyed playing what we would consider the heel. He enjoyed playing the bad guy so that other people could play the good guys to overcome him. So, it, it, it's he's a strange individual. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so, let's get into the movie proper now. Man on the Moon uh, features Jim Carrey in probably the second best uh, performance of Jim Carrey's career. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was going to say, like, this is a weird one for me because... I'm also like I have actually not seen very much Jim Carrey. Actually, I have I I've not. I think I've seen the original Batman. I don't remember like anything from it. I've not seen. Well, he wasn't an original Batman. Well, not a, I mean, but the, the, he not in the Batman he was in. But <laughs> I've not seen Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. I've not seen The Mask. Um, Dumb and Dumber. Yes, vaguely. I vaguely remember seeing it. Um, and so my experience with him is also is Truman Show, which I think is the one we were, we were getting towards. Well, That's yeah. a very good movie. Yeah. That's oh, just which weird I've never because seen. I feel like I like Drew, Jim Carrey was one of the com- comedians that I grew up watching. Him, him and Robin Williams were the two big <laughs> ones I grew up on. Right. So it's just kind of weird to think that you don't have that much experience with him and you're only a little bit younger than me. He's not like, he's just, uh, I've got some, I will get into it later, but he's got I some mean, things he, about him. He's got a bunch, if we wanted to just go through the 90s, we've got Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, Batman Forever, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, mm-hmm. The Cable Guy, Liar Liar, The Truman Show, Man on the Moon, uh, and we'll stop at Me, Myself, and Irene, which I think is where it starts turning down stuff that's just a little bit more different, like The Majestic, Bruce Almighty, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless in Mind. Pretty much Man on the Moon is when he just, like dipped over this curve of like no more silly movies time for weird stuff uh, yeah drama yeah. and weird stuff so well i don't know some of those are still silly movies well a little bit the, the I, me I, myself and irene's probably the last of like the real i mean he did do lemony snicket but this movie and a uh, truman show though he does have dramatic chops yes mm-hmm. um and so it's kind of odd that he came from playing like this pure slapstick character uh, there also, there's also some other like funny stuff that happens in the movie that you probably didn't notice unless you looked at the cast list. For instance, Danny DeVito plays George Shapiro. Right. Okay. George Shapiro is also in the movie. Yes, he's in the movie. George Shapiro is as Mr. Besserman, the guy that tells Andy that he has to leave and no, he can't work at the place anymore because you know he's just he goes up there and sings kids songs. Right. Um. Let's see, his friend, which was Z- Zamuda. Zamuda. Zamuda's in the movie. But he's played his his character is played by Paul Giamatti. Is played by Paul Giamatti. Zamuda is in the movie as the guy that he fights on Fridays. 
Oh, right, right, okay. So the the guy in the jacket that he's tussling with is actually the guy that did that. We- Andy Kaufman's actual granddaughter <laughs> is the little girl that little Andy Kaufman brings into his room to do the performance with. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, and funny enough, didn't she? nobody knew that he actually had a granddaughter. He had had a kid in high school. The kid got put up for adoption. Genetic tests in the 90s finally pointed it back to being Andy Kaufman's kid. And then her, she had a daughter, and that daughter was then put in the movie. I want to say, like, I think we we can't... We're going to talk about casting. Can we not talk about the the great, like, bit cameo in this movie? Uh, the fact that Patton Oswalt yes. just shows up out of Patton nowhere. Patton Oswalt in some sort of like, it's it's like Patton Oswalt is a doing mullet. a, well it's like it's like he's doing a bit in which he's trying to look like a Jack Black character. Yeah, he, you could have told me that that was before he turned that that was Jack Black, but yes, he is listed here as blue collar guy. I said like, hey, it's pa- Patton Oswalt, you know, American hero. Yes, but that is that is pretty. pretty. I, I I I I cheered when I saw that. Like, <laughs> it was oh, like, I didn't know he was in this movie. <laughs> It's yeah, always great when you see like too. see the people that you're just like I know him he's super cool and it's just like in this background in some movie yes yeah, like, I I don't think he was big at this point we love you Patton Oswalt yeah. if you ever listened to come be dumb, on our show dumb podcast yeah we love you <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and get down to the line on this as the plot portrays uh, of course this does not mention the very beginning of the movie where. Jim Carrey, as Andy Kaufman, comes out and states that this is a terrible movie and you should no longer watch it. Go ahead and put, turn it off. I'm going to go ahead and run the credits. This is it. This is, there's no movie. Get lost. Right. He runs the credits. and It starts off... The, the movie starts off with it. what is this you know, little clever little bit where they... With, uh, as like. Yeah. Just... It, yeah. And I am, I am half what tempted just to leave 20 seconds of silence here just to give you a I, feeling of how it is. No, let's not do that. Let's, yeah. let's, yeah. let's not <laughs> let's waste keep, the listener's time. Yes. Let's keep rolling. Yes. I mean, because I mean, our, our, our standards are fairly low. I'm sure someone's like, oh, well, Josh will probably edit it out of order or something. It's <laughs> awful. Uh, time to change. Yes, I understand. Time is money. So uh, once we finally get past that point and understand that there is a, a, a movie to be had, uh, we begin. We're at young Kaufman's, you know, home and residence where we discover that, you know, here he is in his room bouncing on his bed, staring, you know, talking to the wall because he believes that there are TV screen, there are TV cameras all over his room. I totally did this as a kid. I totally pretended that there were cameras all over my room and I would monologue to them constantly. <laughs> That explains a, a lot. lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, caught, he caught the space madness early. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I just actually recalled that of just like he, just saying it out loud. I'm like, I totally did that a lot. It's yeah. I mean, it's it sets up that like he's from an early age. He has this eye for performing and being this this artist on in front of people. And you can also tell, and it's never covered in the movie, but I think you can say in at least some way, he seems to be part of that like highly functioning autistic. Yeah, I, I, I don't know enough about, Kauf, about Andy Kaufman. I haven't seen enough of his stuff in person that to, to really get a read on it, but I don't know. I mean, I get a little bit out of it, but he's such a weird personality that 
it's hard to really get a bead, but I, I think at the top it's worth saying that just like this is any coffin's a figure that if you're not like down with the idea of the like misunderstood and like personally abrasive but genius like kind of character, like that's kind of what the movie is pitching him as is like he was he he's weird and hard to understand, but ultimately is this is brilliant kind of thing, and I don't know that that sort of thing is like. I'm I am unsure how to feel about actual Andy Kaufman. I hmm, how do I feel? I think I don't know. I think I do fall on the the like there was something to him side. I think there was, but I, I think I'm more it's more like the person who sees that and is like, I wanna be that guy. Like that's like I, I think is like a, a, a like a path people shouldn't be going down. I also think that they do show Though maybe not as hard, but they do show that the stuff that he does is detrimental to the people around him. Right. His and poor parents, like the whole movie is just like a film of them just going, why? Stop this. Right. You know, the, the what he does to his, you know, love interest in the movie you know, is, is just like, it was this just part of the gag? Was this, you know, you screwing with me? Well, he, yeah, I mean, he's got this cry wolf kind of thing, mm -hmm. where he's he lives he lives this bizarre anti humor life so long that it's like he he even says like I don't know who the real me is, like he's never really existed. So I don't know. I found that it's one of those things where it's like I appreciate that like he's it's a very he, he did something very different, and I he, I don't know whether or not in in person he, it was coming from a, what kind of place it was coming from. But I don't know. I that's like an archetype that I find sometimes kind of annoying. Yeah, I I mean, the only people that I can say like comes to mind of the modern era that is anything like him is uh, Tom Green, and that's not <laughs> a great like attachment because yeah. Tom Green is kind of like shocking, but not in just like the most base way. Yeah. Is I, anyone even going to know who the hell Tom Green is? I know. Uh, Tom Green is like a 90s, 2000 reference at I, this point. I only remember him because I remember he was on SNL and while on SNL, he proposed to Drew Barrymore. And he but also went, that, he also crawled into the audience as a chicken and licked somebody's face. Also, he was and is no Buffy, longer the Vampire Slayer. Was he in Buffy? Yeah. What? The movie or the, the TV series? The TV show. Really? He's a huh. redhead, right? No. <laughs> Are we thinking of somebody totally different? Well, anyway. Moving on. Pull, pull up Tom Green real quick so Computer. I can see what he looks like. <laughs> Cross-reference Buffy the Vampire Slayer with oh, Tom Green. Alexa, was, or, uh, I might was, be... Please, no. Please, not the robots. <laughs> Processing your request. No, uh, it's... Yeah, I think there's something to it, and it's... He's hard. I think he broke a lot of barriers, but like it's saying, it's like did I don't know. He's he's complicated, and is is interesting. And I I really have to think. I'd like have to know more about the actual Andy Kaufman. Are you thinking thinking of Seth Green? Oh, uh, ah. yeah, that's Seth Green. That is a very different green. Okay, 90s. well, it was still a green. Nineties <laughs> green. It's like I don't know. I want like if I don't see the face, then I have a hard time like remembering who people are sometimes. Okay, well, sorry. Let, let's start this. Uh, Kaufman is a struggling performer who acts fails at nightclubs because while the audience wants comedy, he sings children's songs and refuses to tell conventional jokes. As the audience begins to believe that Kaufman may have no real talent, 
his particular foreign man puts a rhinestone jacket and does a dead-on Elvis impersonation song. The audience bursts into applause, realizing Kaufman tricked them. Yeah, which was, yeah, it's pretty much the big the big setup, and which is true. His Elvis was a his Elvis impersonation actually happened before he made his foreign man character. Right. So. Uh, this catches the eye of talent agent George Shapiro, played by Danny DeVito. Played by gross monster man Danny DeVito. <laughs> Only because he's in Sunny and Philly. But, but, that's, that's, Sunny. but that's full DeVito. That's DeVito's <laughs> id laid bare before the audience. <laughs> Who signs Kaufman as a talent and immediately lands him on a network series, Taxi, much to Kaufman's dismay since he dislikes sitcoms. Another fact. Yeah. He hated the thing he was in. Because of the money, visibility, and promise that he can do his own television special, Kaufman accepts the role on Taxi, turning his foreign man into a mechanic called Latka Gravas. He secretly hates doing the show, however, and expresses his desire to quit. Invited to catch a different act at a nightclub, Shapiro witnesses a performance from a rude, loudmouth lounge center, Tony Clifton, <laughs> who Andy wants to guest star on Taxi. Clifton's bad attitude is matched by his horrible appearance and mouth, uh, loun- uh, mouth and demeanor. Sorry, but backstage when he meets Shapiro in person, Clifton takes off his sunglasses and reveals that it is actually Andy Kaufman. Right. Clifton is a villain character created by Kaufman and his creative partner Bob Zamuda. Once again, the gag is on the audience. It's yeah. So this is where... So we've gone through a decent amount of the movie here. This is, this is Paul Giamatti at his grossest looking. Uh, but, yeah, uh, pretty much you had the point where Tony Clifton goes out. He's just horrible. He has that great thing where he's just like, he's requesting you please put out your, you know, you put out your, your smoke just, you know, for him. And he comes out and he's just straight up smoking a cigar. And I'll, everybody's like, oh, you son of a bitch. I like the, I mean... Yeah, it's it's a funny gag, but I think it establishes early on that like he has these characters that he wants to play, mm-hmm. and that kind of play, uh, play off of his own persona. Uh, and it's that's that's interesting because it's like who, like I, I don't know if anyone else has really done something like that. The crowd definitely didn't know. One thing that I can say, especially for, and I'll I'll get into the specifics of some of the other uh, some of the things that happen in the movie and how they actually happen in real life. Um, so for instance let's see if okay they're going to talk about this so I, I won't hit it yet so Kaufman's fame increases with a Saturday Night Live appearances which includes his Mighty Mouse sing-along which is still weird and bizarre and silly today and you can catch that on YouTube uh, but he has problems with his newfound fame when he travels to college campuses audience dislike his strange sense of humor and demand that he performs Latka so he deliberately antagonizes them by reading the great Gatsby aloud from start to finish. I, I something like the, he actually did. I like the gag where they're like, do you, want me to, do you want me to read the great Gatsby or do you want me to play the record? Like, record! And he plays the record and it's just him reading the great Gatsby. Like, okay, that made me laugh pretty good. Yeah, that was a good gag. <laughs> uh, so, Kaufman shows up on the taxi set as Clifton and proceeds to cause chaos until he's removed from the studio lot. He relates to Shapiro that he never knows exactly how to entertain an audience short of faking my own death or setting the theater on fire. Um, so, as for Tony Clifton, the, the, the actors knew it was, Tony, it was him. 
Right. Like they, they act in in true life. Like he was like, no, I'm 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 that. They, matter of fact, you can find we found a a, a video which was great because it was who was it again? I keep Orson pre- Welles. It was Orson oh. Welles interviewing Andy Kaufman in the world's oddest collection of individuals. There's Andy Kaufman just like, oh yeah, it's great to be here, and all Orson Welles just. You know, yeah, I can't do it. Anymore. It's 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 hard to do on the fly, but he's just it's, like it's hard to do without just doing brain. Yeah, <laughs> doing doing yes, yeah, doing like Lamarche's, <laughs> um, but just so bizarre. But he straight up says like, oh yeah, I, I was totally totally Tony Clifton, right? Um, but the fact that yeah, they have that. Uh, all right, so let's see. Sur- short of faking his own death or setting the theater on fire, he's having to keep the audience constantly guessing, not knowing what's coming next. Right. I think he even says more or less like the, the genesis of what he wants is that he always wants to like surprise the audience to generate some sort of reaction from them. They weren't expecting. Mm -hmm. So then Kaufman decides to become a professional wrestler, (laughs) but to emphasize his villain angle, he would wrestle only women who were hired actresses and then berate them after winning, declaring himself intergender wrestling champion. He becomes smitten with one of the women he wrestles, uh, Liney Margiles. Lynn, Marga- Lynn, Lynn Margiles. Uh, played by Courtney Love. And they begin a romantic relationship that was very, you know, not... wasn't really a romantic relationship in real life as I understand it, and... Even in the movie, it was just kind of one of those things of like, are you really in a relationship? Who knows? He plays things fast and loose. He does. Mm-hmm. So, problems then arise in an appearance on a live TV show, ABC's Fridays. Uh, it turns into a fiasco when Kaufman refuses to speak his lines because he, as he states, he doesn't do drugs. He doesn't know what being stoned is like. He doesn't want to do this because it promotes drugs. So, he already has misgivings about you know, this particular scene where people are supposed to be smoking joints and coming back on scene. Uh, so he refuses to speak his lines, um, which they don't really state here, but causes a big, like, fight on stage, right. um, which is later revealed to simply be an act. Right. Um, also, the wrestling Kaufman enjoys getting a, ri- a rise out of the crowds and feuds publicly with Jerry Lawler, a male professional wrestler, who challenges Kaufman to a real wrestling match, which Kaufman accepts. Lawler easily overpowers and seriously injures Kaufman, resulting in the comedian wearing a neck brace. Lawler and an injured Kaufman appear on NBC's Late Night with Dater- David Letterman, the- theoretically to call a truce, but Lawler insults Kaufman, who throws a coffee at the wrestler and spews a vicious tirade of epithets. It's uh, later revealed, however, that Kaufman and Lawler were in fact good friends, staged the entire feud, but despite this, Andy pays a price when he is banned from Saturday Night Live by a vote of audience members weary of his wrestling antics. Um, I understand that the Saturday Night Live thing, the cast of Saturday Night Live were seriously like, please, Vote for the yes. We really want to keep Andy to the point that when they were reading the no number is like the number is one eight hundred six five two six eight six seven six like going as fast as possible so that they would not vote no and they still voted no. Right. The the, the article mentions that apparently like the movie kind of makes it ambiguous, but apparently in in real life he was act, he was very professional with other like actors and oh yeah 
He was he was considered by many just to be extremely professional, but you know he had to do this like these crazy things as part of his act. Right. Um, let's see. So getting onto this, and we have nearly gone through the entire plot of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because a lot of it is just the individual acts that he does. Right, and they they, they kind of like since this is covering a biopic of his life, they kind of string it together. Um, with a sort of narrative thread. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. So, uh, Shapiro advises Kaufman and Lawler not to work again and later calls Kaufman to inform him that Taxi has been canceled. To which he's like, okay, that's that's fine. Don't don't like Taxi. Right. Uh, After a show at a comedy club, Kaufman calls together Lynn, Zamuda, and Shapiro to disclose that he's been diagnosed with a rare form of lung cancer and may die soon. They aren't sure whether to believe this, thinking it's hard to, to, that it could be yet another Kaufman stunt. Was Zamuda actually believing a fake death would be a fantastic prank? With a short time to live, Kaufman gets to booking at Carnegie Hall, his dream venue. The performance is a memorable success, culminating with Kaufman inviting his entire audience out for milk and cookies. His health deteriorates. Desperate, he heads to the Philippines to seek a medical miracle through psychic surgery, only to find it as a scam, laughing at the irony. He dies soon after. Friends and loved ones do a sing-along to the video of Andy at his funeral. One year later, in 1985, Tony Clifton appears at Andy Kaufman's tribute at the comedy store's main stage performing I Will Survive. The camera pans over the crowd and reveals Zamuda, who had previously played... um, who had played Tony Clifton in a earlier scene that showed like, oh no, they're two different people. Oh, uh, reveals that Zamuda was in the audience, further bringing more of the question of is Andy dead or not? Yeah, the, the movie ends on, they do kind of like a magical realism sort of end to it. And then during the final credits, Andy briefly peeks in black and white again. Yep. And that's the movie. It's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I think like, it, it's interesting. Like I, I read some of the reviews on the. I think I would. They they crystallize it like it's, it's a somewhat. It's it's it, it's a biopic and it hits a lot of biopic cliches. Um, I mean it has a it has a emotional ending that's kind of is a real bummer, because you mm-hmm. know it's always it's always a bummer when your main character dies of cancer at the end. Um, but it's it's interesting. I like I'm still unsure what to think about the movie because it is interesting and like you're saying like. Jim Carrey is like on is at one hundred and ten percent in this movie all the way through, and I think he seemed like he's a actor. I think that I think they picked him correctly to play Andy Kaufman. For oh, this. did you read some of the other people that they were thinking of picking for no. this? Oh man, hold on to your pants for this. Uh, take one random guess. Who is one person that is constantly in everyone's mind to be cast in every movie in the nineties? Are you thinking Nicolas Cage? Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Oh, we are robbed. <laughs> Nicolas Cage was absolutely in the. Nicolas in the Cage sh- should play every character <laughs> in every movie. Uh, let's see if I can get. Uh, what? Why? Where? Oh, Jim Carrey and Andy Kaufman were both both born on January seventeenth. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, go through this, uh, but um. Did you have anything else to say on the while I look at it's? I think it's interesting. There, there, the 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 biopic I think really tries to portray him in a sympathetic and human light. I think is like the idea is he he is so deep in his own scheme of of these characters that he plays 
that it like blurs the lines between reality and like who he really and his the fiction he creates and that's interesting i think jim carrey pulls it off well and it, it was nice that they they they'll show these scenes and then it seems like the scenes where they show andy kaufman doing his show are usually bracketed by him like him having very sincere responses to things and it like i think i thought it effectively showed towards the end where he's like He's trying to tell them, like, no, I, I really have cancer. And then, like, they're like, we, we can't tell. And, like, his family, mm-hmm. his his brother and sister are like, oh, this is some act. Like, that doctor is totally fake. He's wearing the wrong shoes. And it's like, they're so, they're, like, they are so, like, lost in the the kind of world he's, he's created that it's like, yeah, any of this could be possible. Though a funny part, though, that isn't mentioned in this, uh, one, I think it might have been switched. Well, no, it made sense in that. Uh, it, the... Funny thing is, is that his brother actually did play Tony Clifton as well. <laughs> so as much as he kind of says that, it's like, but you were part of this at least a little bit as well. You played, you played that. Okay, so here you go. Nicholas Cage and Tom Hanks were considered for the lead role Tom of Andy Hanks. Cox. Tom Hanks. Too nice. Uh, wow. People that auditioned for the role. Oh boy. John Cusack. Okay. Kevin Spacey. I Kevin that, Spacey. That doesn't, I could... make, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I know, but he kind of looks like Andy Kaufman a little bit. May, I maybe like maybe I have not seen a picture of '90s Kevin Spacey, but I cannot imagine a gentleman like 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 Spacey playing someone like Andy Kaufman. And of course, I'm bad with last names, so Hank uh, Azaria. Azaria. Hmm. hmm. Maybe. Uh, which uh, which I'm not. Re- I don't know what he looks like, but I know he does voices and different cartoons i think jim carrey was the right person for this honestly i mean he definitely put his full weight into it and the reason that it was the choice um the reason they went with him was because he he had the marketable name he had he they were like hey this guy hasn't had a you know under 100 million dollar movie ever this was the one that was under 100 million dollars and i get this because this is a weird like it's asking the audience especially like the audience has to know, I think, really to know about Andy Kaufman, or to been a fan of him, because I could, I could understand that it's not that the movie was bad. Right. It was that Andy Kaufman is so peculiar, and Jim Carrey did such a good job playing him that he came off as super peculiar, and not everybody is going to get that type of humor. Yeah, and it, it, it was just an odd movie, and it's odd that the budget was so high. I guess like Jim Carrey had a very big price tag. Probably had a big price tag. Uh, they definitely look like they went around a lot to to do particular things. They grabbed a lot of the original actors, like for Taxi. Right. Those were all the original actors. Minus, Tony, minus Tony Danza. Minus Tony Danza. Because he was on Broadway at the time. Um, but they had Broadway. everyone else. Christopher Lloyd was there. Um, Danny DeVito, I don't think, would have been cheap either. Um not to mention, I mean, even the, having the scene at Carnegie Hall, for example, I mean, the the steam work that they did do was um, elaborate. Elaborate. There were a lot of moving pieces, tons of extras. So there was a lot of cost. I mean, mm-hmm. the wrestling event, you know, the major wrestling event, they actually got like the Los Angeles Coliseum and did it up, right, to yeah. to look like a wrestling event, which are actually is a really great, a really horrible yet great part about this. Let's see, uh, there you go. Uh, the wrestling match between Lawler and Kaufman was filmed at the Los Angeles Olympic Auditorium. It was the, uh, 
which was standing in for the famed Memphis Mid-South Coliseum, the site of the real-life Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman matches. When Lawler arrived at the Olympic Auditorium to film the match, he was shocked to find hundreds of Southern extras dressed in straw hats and overalls, not at all resembling the real Mid-South crowds of the early 1980s. An exasperated Lawler pulled the filmmakers aside and reminded them that Memphis is a blues town, not a backwards one, and that he never saw anybody dressed like that in the real mid <laughs> South Coliseum. The extras were instructed to remove their straw hats. <laughs> but there's also this, which makes me think that it was all a conscious thing. Uh, the fact that uh, Andy uh, Jim Carrey refused to be called by his real name and was uh, and was told to be called Andy Kaufman at all, all times on and off the set. And during filming, it is widely reported that a fight ensued between Jerry Lawler and Jim Carrey. It was later reported the whole story was fabricated to promote the movie, but Lawler has since revealed that uh, the story was true. Carey was so into character that he constantly harassed Lawler off camera. At one point, Carey spit in Lawler's face and Lawler grabbed Carey's neck. An altercation was broken up and Carey demanded that Lawler be fired and that his scenes be reshot. But Carey later relented. According to Lawler, when they later filmed the scene in which he slapped Kaufman on Late Night with David Letterman, he slapped Carrie much harder than he ever slapped Andy as revenge. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. And if you see, that slap is a full-on just... It's a good one. It's a nice slap. So, yeah. Also, don't watch this movie for someone who can't, like... It's just some, like, they, they recreate some, like, vintage, like, cr awkward... Like, there is, like... And it's part of his act, but there's, like, some straight-up sexist, like, yeah, yeah. rants. Right. I mean, here's my thing, especially after after watching the movie, we went back and we did watch some original stuff that uh, Andy Kaufman did. Yes, Jim Carrey does a really good job portray portraying Andy Kaufman, but I also feel like Drew Carey kind of, I mean, Jim, Jim Carrey, Carrey. Uh, caricaturized him just a little bit, but I don't think it was... Uh, on purpose i think it's just the way jim carrey is and the way jim carrey acts and because i think he's also i don't know he has he he i don't i think he's a bit taller than andy kaufman too isn't he i'm not certain because he jim carrey is fairly tall i think um but i don't know when i compare the two he's right on point but i always feel like he just over does it a little bit but just because he's Jim, Jim Carrey and that's just who he is you can't really take that out away from him he, he does see like a lot yeah and, and when you watch actual Andy Kaufman like I don't really see Andy Kaufman like doing it like I, I feel like compared to Drew, uh, Jim Carrey like Jim Carrey just overdoes it a little bit more than Andy ever did like even when playing like Latka or any of his other characters, I right. feel like. Okay, so Andy Kaufman, 6'1". Jim Carrey, 6'2". Oh, oh okay. wow, so Andy was tall, too. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. Danny DeVito, 4'10". <laughs> well, yes, we know Danny DeVito like, well, is he, short. He is a dwarf from, like, Lord of the Rings. Yes. He is not. He is a disgusting pig man. <sighs> I love, we love you, Danny. I love Danny DeVito. Stop I it. Oh, no, I, I, I like it. I just like all He was so good in Hercules. I got my... <laughs> Oops. What? Why are you looking at me? I said he did a good thing. That, that, that it is, I can't, like, hearing Hercules is like hearing when Jack Black has been on, like, Sesame Street. Stop. Feels, <laughs> Stop. It just feels like, like something's holding back. 
Um, I think um, Sabrina does bring up a really a, a good point here, though, in that um, Jim Carrey, in his in his pension for being able to overplay characters, I mean, he his method acting we got to the point where he just started to take on these characterizations to the fullest degree that he could, and so in being able to do that and being able to participate, in that he definitely accentuated the the um, the more controversial parts of of. Uh, uh, Andy Kaufman's performances to be able to kind of get that out, get that, that get that rise and get that experience, and you know that is just part of the dramatization that uh, the film is trying to. Trying yeah, to I mean, and you're also he's trying to re- reconstruct the mannerisms of someone who died like ten years prior. Yeah. Oh no, well, like fifteen years prior. Plus, Jim Jim Carrey just has a super expressive <laughs> face. Like you you his like. I don't even think he was trying to overdo it. I just think he can't help it because his face is just so damn expressive. I, I'm sad that there was never some sort of Jim Carrey, Jim Varney, Jim off like ridiculous face contest, or some movie where the two of them could like. You know what? It, what? It, what it is? It's people with long faces and he, big mouths, and they both have the eyebrow thing. So it's just like when you have that type of. Face, I think you're just normally more expressive than the average person. Mm-hmm. And Andy Kaufman kind of had like a chubby round face. Yeah, yeah. So like people, like I, I am a person with a round chubby face. So I don't think I'm that expressive as like say someone like Jim Carrey or Jim Varney. You know, right. I just feel like hit like Josh's face is more expressive than mine. I just think if you have a longer, slimmer face, you tend to be more expressive. Yeah. Just physically. <laughs> It's just, it's hard not to be. It's interesting. I didn't even thought about that. Yeah. Uh, Face Mark, shape. Martin, let me get a... I didn't hear as much. It sounded like you were agreeing with Sabrina, but what's your feeling on the movie? How's your skull? <laughs> I mean, I... What are you doing? <laughs> um, I... I want to say that I, I wanted to enjoy this film. I wanted to be able to get myself into the character of of Andy Kaufman and I wanted to be able to to sit through it and to 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 appreciate the kind of character that he was trying to that he was trying to portray and I I, I agree I really agree with you Eric that that character that kind of genius the supple genius hidden behind this facade of just you know impersonable at times very abrasive at times just over the top uh, over the top personalities is something that I have a hard time being able to uh, being able to enjoy and to watch comfortably. Mm-hmm. Like there are times that I just feel like I have to stop and then okay, that happened. Yeah, reset, continue. It, it's not world, and we're not even like he, you know, aghast that he has defiled the sacred institution of Saturday Night Live. No, 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 like no, no, no. It's, it's like it's just he's odd. It, it's a it's a certain uh, the idea of like. The idea of transgress, like comedy being transgressive, is like this is a whole discussion, and I think like there is merit to that, but I think some, I think some other people like don't like take that in the wrong direction. Right, and I think the other part of it too is just, it's just it's conflict driven, and so yes, you know, comedy is the uh, well, rather conflict can be at the heart of good comedy and good drama, but at the same time when it's just conflict after conflict after conflict or like, with followed by awkward moment or just some kind of um, some kind of portrayal that doesn't quite hit the mark 
or them or makes it difficult for you to be able to relate to him it just it's mm-hmm. hard to be able to to enjoy that or to to to, to get immersed in that because you're being jolted out of it right i, th- I think it's interesting like, the, the carnegie hall performance bit and again they, they changed it around but specifically they structured it i think that was actually like i actually appreciate that because what he's saying is like he's always gonna be one step ahead of the audience and like literally the last thing at that point in his career someone would expect that like he does a a nice a, a, a you know a joyful performance that everyone enjoys and then you get to go out for milk and cookies afterwards and it's like a genuine and sincere like positive thing mm-hmm. it's like that that would be the last thing that people expect from Andy Kaufman at that point right which is why I also quite enjoyed that Carnegie Hall scene because yeah. that was like a moment where okay he took the he took the folks there for a ride and it was a wild ride from beginning to end but at the end of it it was like a real kind of human moment where like all right you know we're all celebrating we're all here together we're all enjoying this experience together and now let's go and go and have some milk and the, cookies it's like an inexplicable act of just humanity yeah the other part of the movie that i enjoy which which only gets played twice during the movie is the way and and granted i know that there was some aspects in this in his real life but i don't know if anything of this actually truly happened but was one the point when he was getting the 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 faith healers to come in and take care of him and you know um you know danny devito's character says you know i know i know that guy he's an actor right he's like oh yeah but he's also an ordained healer and he's like but he's also an actor um you know just kind of just kind of stating like this okay but then the scene where he goes to the philippines and he sees like the straight like the straight trick of like oh here's the healer you know, and actually he's just palming a piece of meat and pulling out a fake piece of, you know, oh, I'm removing the wound from inside of you and cleaning it out. And he just kind of goes, huh. You know, the the person who is a trickster and that plays pranks on people ultimately gets pranked. Right. There's a, yeah, there's a nice bit of irony and it's like it's it's right before he dies in the movie. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, actually, in if you read his biography and I have it pulled up here, so... After audiences were shocked by his gone to appearance during the January 1984 performances, Kaufman acknowledged that he had an unspecified illness, lung cancer, uh, which he hoped to cure with natural medicine. So he went on the diet of all fruits and vegetables, among other measures, and he also received um, uh, palliative radiotherapy. And then, um, he, you know, the, it is actually true he did, after his final performance with My Breakfast with Blasey in March of ni- uh, 1984, he um, uh, he went ahead and flew um, with uh, with Lynn to um, Baguio, Philippines, uh, to receive psychic surgery. Yeah, I so like I think they 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 make use of that in the movie is to is, is like he gets the the final like the the you know the ultimate performance artist has it turned like he, he, he like cashes in on him as well. Mm-hmm. And so he, they show, they show him like kind of laughing at the irony, and then like this transitions right to the scene where he's finally died. Right, mm-hmm. though he actually died at uh, Cedar Sinai Medical Center in L.A. on May sixteenth, nineteen eighty four. Right, yeah. So yeah. it's it was like it's like, I, I think like like there's they, they acknowledge it in the movie that's like yes we we've cut this out of order for dramatic purposes, but I think I thought that was like an effective end to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I. Yes, it's a peculiar movie just because it's a peculiar character, but I appreciate the movie because you also get you don't just get to see him playing characters, you also get to see him like being himself 
or as much of himself as the movie would allow for dramatic purposes. And I feel like because of that, that helped me understand the method behind the act. And that allowed me to appreciate the, what he was trying to do more. Right. And, and I feel like when we went back and we watched some stuff with actual Andy Kaufman, I was able to appreciate actual Andy Kaufman better. And when seeing him when he's not acting made me go, yeah, I can kind of see who this guy is and what he was trying to do. And I appreciate that. Like, because when I first saw him first acting like in the movie on uh, in Man on the Moon, at first I was definitely like, what uh, the fuck yeah, is happening? <laughs> Who is this guy? What is he trying to do? But like I feel I feel like once you get used to what he does, then it makes more sense and it does become more funny. Yeah, and I think the movie in a, in a some in, in an overall somewhat cliched way, but understandable. I think the movie is the idea is like, what do you know? How, like, let's try to understand Andy Kaufman, and it's probably it's like he's probably like someone who's like we really can't understand all the what drove him to what he did, and like for better or for worse, and it's and he's not like. We talk. I'm not, we're talking about in these grandiose terms, like he's some uh, great hero or something. But it's right. But it's interesting because he's an interesting person, and like you, know, like you were saying, he led. He his performance kind of shook things up in the comedy. The idea of performance in comedy. So I think it's an interesting and like interesting way of looking at this person. You could say that he was a disruptive character. Yes. I <laughs> say he was a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't like him at all. I Andy think, Kaufman. I think Tony Clifton is just the penguin. Ah. <laughs> um, ah, I'm sorry, Tony. Tony Clifton, just like in the movie, every time I saw him, I was like, he looks like a Muppet. He does. Yeah, he totally Talk, looks like a he Muppet. He sounds like Kermit. Mm. And when he talks, it reminds me of the old guys that sit in the in the, oh, the box in the Waldorf. theater. Yeah, that's yeah. who he reminds me of. <laughs> For some reason, just because of the way they had his jaw and the way he talked with his lip out like this. When they, like, I like that when they're talking to him in the, in the, in the like, dressing room and he's got, like, prosthetic double chins. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or that first part where, you know, Shapiro comes and meets him, does the turn, and he has the spaghetti in his lips. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that quick little slurp. Yeah. Yeah. So All I, part of the act. So I would just say my, my I think what we referenced earlier is my, my initial like unsure to feel about the film is just like it's interesting and I think it's what they're trying to do with the film. But I can definitely see like I don't know the, the Andy Coffin persona is also like grating on my sensibilities. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I was like you know like I can understand this and I I see this this yeah like I, I like basically the the professional review of this movie is basically like, the movie is so so Jim Carrey's performance is really good. Right, and I think that's my, kind of my takeaway from it. I would, I would agree with that assessment. Like Jim Carrey did an excellent job in this film. It's a riveting performance the whole way through, and while the movie itself took some creative liberties on on uh, Andy Kaufman's life, it did give you some insight into his uh, performance style, his philosophy on comedy, mm-hmm. and then of course you did get to kind of see like a bit of the human side of Andy Kaufman. Though part of me kind of wishes there was. It took a more document, uh, took a more documentary kind of uh, approach to to handling it, where you did kind of balance the you know dramatizations, but then you also had the actual performances that he had, and maybe some some of the uh, some possible snippets from interviews with people who had known him. Yeah. Well, uh, if you want documentaries, there are documentaries out there. Right, right, and I, I can definitely see going and watching those too. But at the same time, I don't know. I might, 
Interesting contrast. I, I think it would have been an interesting contrast to see how you could have done that. Well, see, interesting contrast with a movie, a movie like uh, that movie Bernie, with Jack with Jack Black. Play, uh, where, I forget what the guy's name, Bernie. I forget what his name for full name was. Have you seen this? No, I have not. I have oh, no that's, idea. That's a great. That's a movie I saw totally on a whim, and it's amazing. But that that's a that's a drama about a real person, very similar to this, but it takes a more documentary angle. Mm. And I think be, that would be interesting. That's another movie in which, like, Jack Black is full method to play a very strange person. Right. So that's kind of like, that's a style that I could have probably had a bit more of a comfortable time going through the film. But at the same time, it was still enjoyable. And those bongos, man. <laughs> those bong And those bongos were Andy's bongos. Oh. Oh, yeah. they used his actual bongos? Jim Carrey bought his bongos. <gasps> Whoa. Oh, my God. That's... You know what? I mean, yeah. Considering that he was doing the method acting to the extreme, what better way to be well, able to get into it than... Plus, plus, Jim Carrey was a big Andy Kaufman fan, A big fan, right? Andy Kaufman yeah. fan. He wanted to do this movie so hard. So. I, I, yeah, my... my and I was saying, I mentioned really my personal reservations, but any, like about Jim Carrey is a big anti-vaxxer, and so... Uh, I, 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 don't, I, I, don't, I don't like him as a person. I mean, I don't agree with anti-vaxxers, but uh, compared to all the other things he could be, I don't think that's well, the worst. He could be a lot of things. He Like, I, I don't know. Like, on the scale of what famous people are like and some of their weird philosophies and ideals, being an anti-vaxxer is pretty low on my list of oh. not liking someone just I mean, because of that. I like, mean, he's not going to the Bohemian Grove, so I mean, at least we well, can... I, yeah, I, mean, I, I, but I think... I, I think people in a position like with that kind of mouthpiece of fame and that kind of audience i think they're i think he him and other people that push the anti-vax thing are doing a lot of damage because they are like that 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 gets at a desperate paranoia for a lot of people who deal with children who have you know actual issues and stuff and i think it's i think it's really bad that he's like i don't know whatever his personal reasons are for believing in this like this bullshit but I, th- I, I I don't I can't like square that I think that does active I, harm I mm. mean I don't for me like I don't care about an actor or any famous person's personal life I don't ever look it up so a lot of times I don't see what the type of stuff they're into or what they're saying because I frankly don't care if you're in a movie I'm watching you're in a movie I'm watching that's all I care about I care about you performing because that's your job I don't care what you do as a personal personal person like right. I, i've had to do that with uh with um tom cruise like i i disagree with a bunch of stuff that tom cruise does says and believes but you know i will also say the edge of tomorrow is a goddamn awesome it movie and yeah. that, i mean this is the kind of thing i just like I don't know, that that's just that's something i i i have a hard time distancing from that like anti-vax stuff in particular just because it's like He's he's putting like people who do that put other kids' lives at risk. No, I'm totally yeah. with you. Not to mention undermining the credibility <laughs> and the the objectiveness of science and the the importance that that plays in being able to help treat and stop. Yeah. Oh yeah, I don't I, I don't want to even talk about the fact that measles came back and we haven't had measles in years. Right. Yeah. So just for me personally, it's like I think I can do that for certain issues. I think Tom Cruise is more of the comical idiot. I mean, he just—he's just a Scientologist. He's a Scientologist, but I mean, like his, him being a Scientologist generally doesn't 
and negatively impact other people's lives other than maybe encouraging dimwits to become Scientologists. Well, if they decide to do that, then whatever. If you, just, if you decide to fork over your money to a religion that, like, or you can, you can go join Sea Org or whatever. Right. But, yeah. It's like, what, whatever. I, I know, but it's just, anti- like, the, the, the people t- who tell that you, your, your child is, your child has autism because of evil doctors and evil conspiracies to give your children autism. I, uh, I, don't I don't know. Well, then those people are sheep. Sheeple. <laughs> Sheeple. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If 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 you're going to believe someone just because they're famous and you don't do your own research, then you're stupid. So I, fuck you. Yeah, but, yeah, but again, but... Even, but they don't they don't vaccinate their kids and that brings measles back. I know, yeah. but I'm just saying I'm just saying if you're dumb enough to believe someone just because they're famous and you don't do your own research, you're a sheep. Yeah, but then that's also I mean, I, I think it's a fair point though because it is also popularizing this this discrediting of well, it's also of medical knowledge it's also just the idea that like own like even the idea that there can be a debate on this like no there's no other side to this there's not two sides to every issue this this didn't this wasn't even a thing until recently yeah you yeah. know when no one ever the court no one ever thought to question it i mean i understand yes you should question some things because there are some things that have come up but for the most part do your own damn research. Yeah. It, it falls a lot down the conspiracy theory hole, but I think yeah. that's probably where we should put that. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just yeah. like, I think this was like, I, I just had to get that out because this is the first Jim Carrey movie we're doing in this podcast. And it I will think, be repeated on every Jim Carrey movie. No, I, I think it's, I, I think it's worth stating. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I agree. Especially yeah. given uh, the, the character he is playing who believes in a lot of like hokum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm sorry to people listening to believe that they're being healed by crystals, but I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I think he was just trying everything. I don't. And think he was he... a very spiritual person. Yeah, he right. was. So and it, yeah. Um. All right, man on the moon. Man on the moon. I still say it's probably in my personal top ten, but I also completely agree with other people <laughs> when they're just like, it's not the type of person, no. it's not the type of movie, it's not. You Knowing know. you, I actually I totally understand. Even aside from the stories you, you told, and like I get why you would you would like this movie. He's a weirdo. Right. I'm kind of weird. <laughs> you you your sense of humor is definitely on the weird side. I I have I've seen this and seen He's similar pers- stuff, and it's kind of like if I was more vindictive, maybe, <laughs> but I'm not. Well, you've so. taken on characters. You've... Yeah, you you have your personas. Luckily, not that one. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into the Saturday Friends Club. That's only in the bedroom. No. Okay, no. <laughs> I'm all right. Hey, baby. How you doing? <laughs> oh, God. That's a good way to get kicked out of the whole apartment. He becomes Tony Clifton. <laughs> well, uh, well Josh, look at it this way. If you end up getting kicked out of the apartment, I have a second dinosaur costume. <laughs> wow, that's so helpful. I guess he can sleep in it outside, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty warm in there. Tony Maybe. Clifton could... I'll be a dinosaur, sure. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Goodbye, Tony Clifton. You're Goodbye. fucking annoying. You go over to the Saturday Friends Club. Our place, full of idiots. I like them. All right. Uh, SatFriendsClub.com. Uh, SatFriendsClub on Twitter. We have Patreon. The Patreons are cool. Come we'll, we'll read you next uh, next week. If you uh, if you spend enough money to Patreon, you can come and wrestle us. 
You, you, yes, you, yep. you can try and be the. In- I'll start up the Interpodcast Wrestling Championship. <laughs> wow, <laughs> just like an entire league of like pasty white guys wrestling each other. Oddly <laughs> enough, Ira Glass kills it. Oh, my oh, he has a, like, wow. Ira Glass puts you in a headlock. Like, uh, but he doesn't sound like the type of person who would. That's put why you it's in a great. That's why it's your beat down in three parts. First part. My foot in your face. That's why it's a humorous juxtaposition. <laughs> Second part, my arms are around your neck. Third part, you pass out. <laughs> <laughs> and here's a to- epilogue. Get, my apartment. And get, your, and get your free NPR tote bag. Wow. <laughs> Second epilogue, yeah. you're now in a dinosaur outfit. <laughs> 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 and with that, we will go ahead and take care of you. Uh, next episode is undecided, but we will have friends and fun coming up for all of you. Till then, sleep well, everyone. Thank you very much. May you be blessed. Thank you. Thank you very much. We did it, guys. Thank, thank you. You may go now.